Good morning, Bethel. Welcome to church and so excited to dive into God's word here together today. Grab your Bibles out with me from your homes there. Have you ever failed to keep a promise? Ever, ever failed to keep a promise? Uh, a few weeks ago, one of our girls had the delightful joy of getting to go to the dentist to get some cavities filled. And man, was it fun. <laughs> um, knowing this was coming a couple weeks out and her being rather nervous, she, she made a deal with mom and dad, with us, and said, you know, can I get a popsicle afterwards? And we said, yeah, yeah, sure. Well, can you know, nothing like some bribery to, to get you to go through um, that. And so uh, the, the day comes and uh, I was in a bit of a rush from work, went and picked her up. We went and took her. I, I took her to the dentist, waited there with her. And then as we get into the car after she is done getting these fillings and, you know, she's all swollen from the, the you know, the needles and all this kind of stuff and half numb face and everything. We sit down in the car and I'm just feeling for my little girl here. And she says, hey, daddy, can we go get that popsicle now? And and I, I said, well, you know, actually, honey, I, I got to get back to work. It's been it's been a pretty full day for me and I get back to work. And then she says these words. You, you know what they're going to be, don't you? But dad... You promised. Oh, cut right to the heart. Oh, man. Have you ever failed to keep a promise? This morning, we're going to be talking about promises. Promises made, promises kept, promises broken. And I think every single one of us have found ourselves in a spot where we have failed to keep a promise. Every single one of us have felt ourselves on the other side of that, experiencing that, that bitter sting when someone else didn't keep the promise. Maybe it's the small, you know, relatively trivial things like a popsicle coming back from the dentist. Or maybe it has been far greater, far deeper things. The, the sting of betrayal when that dear loved one failed to keep the promise till death do us part. The, the wound that happens when the promises of a friend who you think is on your side turns out to be talking about you behind your back. The promises of a person who is supposed to be your safe place until they turn out to be nowhere to be found. How has your experience of promises impacted the way you interact with God? How has your experiences of promises made, promises broken, promises kept, impacted the way you interact with the Lord, the way you, you deal with God, the way you see God, the way your relationship with God is shaped? Are you, are you drawn to him and welcomed in with this sense of, of security and safety because you've experienced on many occasions promises kept, promises fulfilled? Do you find yourself jaded, cautious, walls up because of the sting of promises that have been broken far too many times in the past? Do you find yourself wondering it's just a matter of time until it's going to get broken again, isn't it? Can I really trust God? Today, we're going to be talking about promises. We're going to be learning 
about incredibly uplifting scripture that, that teaches us, that guides us, that instructs us, that gives hope to us and tells us that our God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. Let me say that for you again. Our God, the God of the Bible, is a promise maker, and hear this today, a promise keeper. And I am praying that as we hear God's word today, we will internalize God's word today and that the spirit of God would do a mighty work in in each of our lives, bringing, bringing hope, bringing life, bringing encouragement, bringing down walls, bringing, bringing healing, bringing help to see, to know that our God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. And so grab your Bibles out and turn with me now to Joshua chapter 21. Joshua chapter 21. And we are, we are going to be journeying into the end of this chapter, the few verses right at the end. Going all the way back to the very beginning of this year in January, we have been walking through this book of Joshua, this incredible book, and we are getting close to the conclusion of our journey here, the final legs of the trek. And what we've seen is that God has brought his people after wandering around in the wilderness for 40 long years of disobedience. He he miraculously brought them across the Jordan River. He's given them victory after victory, miraculous victory after impossible victory made possible by God. And he's brought them to, to get the entire land. He's given out now the land to each of the different tribes and different families and different people. Real people, real places, helping them settle down now. And we, we come to this summary at the end of chapter 21. After all of these years the people have walked through, after the last five months, it, it summarizes where we have been. It begins in verse 43 today. So the Lord gave Israel all the land, all the land that he had sworn to give their forefathers, and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side just as he had sworn to their forefathers. Not one of their enemies withstood them. Then the Lord handed all of their enemies over to them. Verse 45, not one of all the, of the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. At the end of this amazing journey that God has been bringing his people along, Joshua here summarizes the work of our promise-making, promise-keeping God. And Joshua highlights here three things for us, three things where God shows up as the promise-making, promise-keeping God. The Lord gave land, the Lord gave rest, the Lord gave victory. We see the first one in verse 43. Verse 43, let me read it for us again. So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their forefathers, and they took possession of it. And they settled there. The Lord gave land. For this group of people, they have been wandering around, spending their entire lives wandering around, living in tents, shuffling from place to place to place to place to place. Their their parents spent their entire lives in, in brutal slavery in Egypt. Their parents, 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 you know, for 400 years, they lived in slavery in Egypt, going all the way back even before that to the very beginning of the people and the 12 sons of Isaac who traveled to Egypt because they had to leave their own homes 
because there was such a harsh famine, they couldn't even have food to eat. This people, for generation after generation after generation, has been, has been homeless, has been nomadic, has been traveling around and living out of a suitcase, packing and unpacking and packing and unpacking their tent and moving from one place to the next to the next. This people has never had a home. They've never had a home. They've never had a plot of land. They've never been able to have a place that they call their own. I, I remember like it was yesterday when Natalie and I bought our first home. It was in Waterloo. It was a, it was a fairly small, very basic, semi-detached home in Waterloo built in the 70s and had still much of its original stuff. We were, we were young. We'd only been married for a few years. We'd moved from several different cities around. We lived in a bunch of different apartments and, and they were fine and nice, but there was something, there was something oh so sweet about having our own home. The, the, the day we got those keys, And we walked into that house and it didn't matter that there was floral wallpaper on every single wall and it didn't matter that you walked down into the basement and it was red and orange and brown original shag carpet and the walls were covered in wood paneling. It was our home and it was our home where we were going to get to make it our own. We were going to get to paint the walls and choose the floors and and rip up the carpet and it it was ours. The people of God here in verse 43, got a home. They, they took as their possession the land. They settled there, it says. They unpacked their suitcases. They put down their roots. Honey, we're, we're home. They got the keys to the house, and it was, it was theirs. Our promise-keeping God kept his promise and gave his people land, a home. The first half of the next verse, we see the Lord gave rest. Verse 44, the Lord gave rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their forefathers. The Lord gave them rest, peace, reprieve. When, when was the last time you did a move? Is it recent? It was a long time ago. Do you remember? Do you remember how stressful moving is and putting everything into boxes and suitcases and trekking it from one place to the next? Imagine that's your entire life. Imagine that's all you do. You never, ever, ever stop doing this. When I was a kid, my dad was in the military for a number of years. And uh, if you've ever been in the military or no one in the military, they have this wonderful practice of every like two or three years, they just move you to a different place. And so we move from place to place to place. We've literally lived like coast to coast of this country. And we moved around a whole bunch when I was younger. Man, it is hard. Is it exhausting? And, and they're not even here moving every two or three years. Forget that. It's like every day, every week, they just keep moving from place to place to place to place to place. Not, never ending. Can you imagine how exhausting that is? And now, now they have peace. Now they have peace. Now they they get to set up their homes. They can finally have rest. They can finally grow, you know, a little garden. They can finally stop packing and unpacking and packing and unpacking. They can finally put down roots. But this isn't just about physical exhaustion. As, As wonderful and restful as I'm sure that was for the people, It's about the mental and spiritual rest that came too. Now they're in the land and they are freed from 
the, the strain of being under slavery. They are, they are freed from the temptation of all of these pagans around them who are, who are trying to lure them into all of their evil and vile practices. They have God in God's place where they are now. God's land, they have set up shop and there's rest. There's peace in God's presence and God's place. God is a promise keeper who has kept his promise and given his people rest. Verse 44 continues, not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord handed all of their enemies over to them. The Lord gave them land. The Lord gave them rest and the Lord gave them victory. Every enemy challenge that they faced, every enemy they came against None of them withstood. The Lord handed all of the enemies over to them. God gave them victory in every single way. On top of the angst of being nomadic and on top of the angst of having to always pack and unpack and pack and unpack, on top of the, the angst and the unrest of always facing temptation all around you, think about constantly having to look over your shoulder and wondering if your life is about to be taken. This was the people for their entire last, you know, this whole generation. They, they wandered around the wilderness and they were always looking out because there was people, there was enemies literally on the hunt to kill them, always. And the rest that came as finally they were able to settle in and know that they were safe. Man, I have never experienced anything like this, but when I was in Lebanon a few years ago, I was there on a mission trip and I was interacting and having breakfast with our uh, host pastor. We were out on his patio and uh, we were chit-chatting and, and he, he said to me, Alan, you know, uh, look over there. Do you see the trees over there? And I actually have a picture. This is actually from another time I was out on that patio filming a video and forgive my, you know, my big ugly face that's in the picture there. But do you see in the picture, do you see those trees there that are dead? There's a bunch of green trees and then there's some of these little brown dead trees there. Do you see it in the picture? Bashar, my friend, he says to me, hey, hey, Alan, do you, do you know what those trees are? Like just right over there, like 30 yards away from the balcony. Do you know, do you know why those are dead? No, Bashar, why, why are they dead? He said, a few years ago when the war was happening here, that's where they bombed. And, and actually the bombs are still in the hill and the contaminants from the bombs leak out and, and have killed a bunch of those trees. And I was just like, like I, I'm literally sitting on a patio where not too many years ago, it was a war zone. And my, my friend, brother, fellow pastor here is recounting for me these stories of growing up living in a war zone. I have, I have never experienced anything like that. I mean, the worst that I've ever had in my life is some people getting mad at me, maybe making fun of me a little bit and thinking there's something wrong with me. I, I've never had, maybe you have, I know there's some in our world right now, you know, you think of what's going on in Ukraine, who are running for their lives. The Israelites, their entire lives were running for their lives, were looking over their shoulders, wondering if they were about to be killed, always on edge. And now, now God has given them victory over every one of those enemies, and they're at rest. God's given them land. God's given them rest, and God's given them victory here. Not one of their enemies withstood them. 
Our promise-keeping God has done all of this, friends. And notice, notice this. In all three of these cases, how did this happen? How did this happen? We see it repeated every single time. These were not victories that happened because of their great might. How did they get the land? How did they find rest? Because in every single time, the Lord did it. Verse 43 again, the Lord gave Israel the land. Verse 44, the Lord gave them rest. Verse 44, the Lord handed all of their enemies over to them. All of this, all of this happened because of God's doing and God's work and God's gift to his people. But I can just imagine, I can just imagine for them as they were on this journey, how easy and how tempting it would have been to start to grab some of the credit back. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I can just imagine as they start going, you know, and they, they, they get through that first victory with Jericho and then they start to look back on it and, you know, they start to have these thoughts go through their head like, wow, that was pretty cool how those, those walls came tumbling down and, and, you know, and God brought them down, but, you know, we really blew those t- trumpets pretty loud. Maybe God actually started to use the sound uh, of those trumpets to bring the walls tumbling down. Hey, you, you remember that victory that we had over AI or those Gibeon? who seem really big, but they came asking for our help. Man, we really were kind of, you know, actually getting a pretty good handle on this whole battle and victory and and army thing. And, And you start to kind of get a little bit of a big shoulders, you know. You start to get a bit of a a bloated head. You start to get kind of high and mighty on yourself. I can just imagine that happens for them, because doesn't that happen for for us? I, I mean Think about what we were talking about just last week, how quickly we can take credit for stuff that is not really ours. We talked last week about giving and money, right? And how quickly we can start to think, you know, like I got this job, I earned this raise, I have this money in the bank, I have this retirement, I have the right to choose how I'm going to spend my money. Fully forgetting the fact, fully ignoring the fact, fully moving on from the fact that God's given us everything and, and it's not actually my money, it's all from... God, but we so quickly forget and start to grab back credit, don't we? I I mean, think about all the countless debates that are going on these days about my body. And I have the right to do with my body what I want. And you can't tell me what to do with my body because it's my body. Well, is that really what the Bible actually says? You know what the, the truth of the Bible says is actually... You and I, we are all made in the image of God. My my body isn't my own. It's actually, I'm a steward of what God has given to me. I'm made in the image of God and trusted with the gift of a life and a body. And how am I going to use it? I am not my own. I'm actually God's. Or what about how our kids are turning out? How, How easy is it to start to notice those people over there and their kids? I can't believe they're behaving that way. Oh, those people's grandchildren, what's wrong with them? Don't they know how to raise a, chi- a child? Don't they know how to, who, to behave? And, and we look at our own lives and our own family and our own kids, and we start to kind of all of a sudden, you know, look down our noses at others because we've done it so much better than them. Failing to realize that everything that happens and all that God has done in our children's lives or our grandchildren's lives is only by the grace of God. It's not not because of us. It's not because we're anything special. It is entirely God's doing. 
we get this really important reminder here, friends, from God's word. This really important reminder that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift that we have. And yes, we can be prone to start to grab the credit for these things, but it is only and always God who has given us everything we have. And so listen again to this final summary declaration in verse 45, not one of all of the Lord's good promises. I love that. His promises are always good. Not one of the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Forwards and backwards, positively and negatively, he states it here, right? Not one of all God's promises failed. Every one of God's promises was fulfilled. God kept his promises. Our God kept every single one of his promises to his people. And hear this today. From your home, hear this, friend. God keeps every one of his promises. Our God is a promise-making and promise-keeping God. This is what we see come right out of God's word here today from this account with Joshua. And this is what we know to be true for you and for me. This book that we are looking in and learning from each and every week here today that we take time every day to get into on our own is full, it's brimming, it's overflowing, it's bursting forth with promises because our God is a promise-making God and our God is a promise-keeping God. This book is full of promises for you and for me. Not just promises for ancient people in a land far, far away in a time long, long ago, but for, for you and for me here today, for our families, for our futures. Let me, let me give to you just a teeny, tiny little sampling of some promises. Let me read some of the promises. There's, there's hundreds of them that come in scriptures. I grabbed on a few. First Peter chapter 2. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Hear this promise. By his wounds, you have been healed. Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble, Psalm 46 declares for us. Jesus invites us with this beautiful promise, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The prophet Isaiah, no weapon formed against you will prevail, because he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. James tells us, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If any of you lacks wisdom, he must, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Jesus said, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Promise after promise after promise here of salvation and hope and eternity, of help in the midst of challenges and struggles, of wisdom when we aren't sure what to do, of direction and clarity, of of power when we pray as we walk with the Lord. 
Lord, of hope and freedom against the attacks of the devil. These are just a few of the promises that God has made to you and to me. If you want that list, I know I went through it pretty quick. You can pop on to the website under our small group questions. It's going to be right there this week. Small group questions will be included in that list. There are hundreds of these promises, friends, that God has made to you. And our God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. He always keeps his promise. Just as verse 45 said, not one of the Lord's promises to the house of Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. God is a promise maker and God is a promise keeper. But what do we do? What do we do? We, we so easily, don't we, doubt? We so easily start to question, well, I don't know if that can really be true. We so easily have our insecurities that start to come out, don't we? Wondering, wrestling, struggling. Will God really keep all of his promises? And not just promises to that guy over there, but is he really going to keep that promise with me? For my kids, for my grandkids, for my marriage, for my future, for my life? Is God really going to keep that promise? And, and how easily we doubt. As I was pondering this, I, I came up with a list of what I think are probably some of the top reasons why I doubt. I wonder, I wonder if you find yourself in, in any of these. Let me share with you a few of the reasons why we might doubt God's promises. Uh, sometimes it's because others have been promise breakers. We, we've had others around us others who are close to us, others who we thought were going to keep their promises, others who we presumed upon and, and really trusted in. And it got us almost in this like now traumatic pro protection trigger mode when we think about, well, I don't know if I can really trust God because, because this person who I thought I really could trust did nothing but stab me in the back. This person who I thought I could rest my hope upon ripped the carpet out from under my feet. And so we wrestle, can I really trust God because others have been promised breakers in my life? Or, or maybe it's this one. I've just been waiting so long. I, I want to believe that God is going to keep his promises, but I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and why hasn't he kept his promise yet? You ever find yourself there wondering? Why is the wait so long, God, if you're the promise-keeping God? Or maybe it's, I just cannot see a way. We have crystal clear in our heads. Do you do, you do this? I, okay, God, I've got this problem, and I know how the solution should go, okay? So here's how it will perfectly work out, and, and I'm going to pray about that. And I'm going to pray, because I talk to God, right? And, and here's the solution. And yet God chooses not to do that. And then I've got, okay, I've got option B. Well, here, here's the other option, God. And God says, no, no, I'm not going to do that. All right, she's okay, well, guess what, God? I've got a backup plan for my backup plan. Here's option C. Here's what you can do to figure this one out. And God's like, no, I'm not going to do that either. And now all of a sudden we sit in this position and we're like, I can't see a way. 
I mean, I saw this way, God, but you said no. And I saw this way, God, but you didn't answer that. And I saw this way, God, but you. And now all of a sudden, like, there is just no way. There's no way to get through this. There's no way to get over this. There's no way to get under this. There's no way this promise can be kept. I just can't see a way. And so we doubt, is God really going to keep his promises? Or, or here's a fourth. Maybe we wrestle with this sense in our own hearts. I am just unworthy. You know, maybe God will hear the promises of her. She's a really good person. She's lived a really good life. She's come from a really good family. But there's no way God's going to listen to me with my track record, with my backstory, with where I've been. I just, there's no, I just can't imagine that God would even notice me, let alone care and desire to keep a promise with me. Do you resonate with any of these? That, that others have been promised breakers in your life, that, that you've just been waiting so long that you cannot see a way, that you just feel totally unworthy. Ever felt any of these? Is, is there a fifth one that you would add when you think about why do I struggle and doubt whether God will keep the promises? What's your fifth reason why you would doubt? Look, friends, I, I get it. I really, really do. I've been there. I, I find myself there far more often than I ever would like to admit Here's what I want to do today, though, to finish off our time. Because I, I get all of these feelings, and, and I get all of these wrestlings, and I get all of these reasons why we doubt. And, and it is absolutely true that as we have walked through the book of Joshua here, we can point to every single one of those doubts coming up in the people of God, right? I, I mean, you think about it. These, this generation with Joshua... They, they, were, they were raised by an entire group of parents who, who broke their promises to God all the time. If there's ever a generation of people that are going to be like, I don't know if I can really trust God because my parents just messed up everything and ruined us and they all died in the wilderness and abandoned us. If there's any ever a generation that would have, you know, attachment issues and wondering about whether they can really trust, it would be this generation and yet in the midst of all of those potentials for doubt, God was faithful and God kept every one of his promises, right? But this is the generation who could so easily say, man, we've been waiting so long. We have waited for years and years, generation after generation. It's been hundreds and hundreds of years. And wondering, will God ever actually answer this? Will we ever actually get rest and have a land and have peace? Will he ever actually follow through on these promises? And he did. It may have felt like an eternity for those people, but God never wavered and God had a plan the whole way through. And God is the promise-keeping God. We, we have seen situation after situation where surely these people, the Israelites were like, I just cannot see a way. I cannot see a way through the river. I cannot see a way past Jericho. I cannot see a way for us to overcome this army. I cannot see a way. I cannot see a way. I cannot see a way. They, that surely must have been a mantra amongst the people. And yet God is the God who over and over and over again made the impossible possible, that is who our God is, well, I'm just not worthy. I can only imagine the struggles that these people had. And the truth of the matter is they weren't worthy. They, they weren't worthy. They, they weren't the biggest. They weren't the strongest. They weren't the most beautiful. They weren't the most faithful. They weren't the most pure. The people of Israel landed in the land, 
and were given rest and were given victory, not because they earned it, not because they were worthy, but because of God's grace. And so throughout this book of Joshua here, we can see all of these things. And, and we need to see these things. We need to be told these things. We need to recount these things. We need to recount these things to one another to declare them. But here's the thing. To really change our heart of hearts, to really change your heart or my heart, we, we don't just need to hear this. That's good, but that's not all. We, we don't just need to recount this and spout off these things. We don't just need more head knowledge about these facts. You know what we need? We need a heart change. We need a soul change. We need the Holy Spirit to work upon our hearts. And so here's what I want to do to finish us off. From, from right here where I am and right there where you are in your homes, I want to lead us in prayer. Because what we desperately need is the Spirit of God to do a work in, in your life and in my life to help us to see the beauty of this promise-keeping promise-making God that we have, to, to let the walls down, we need the Spirit of God to work, to, to grab onto Him and trust, we need the Lord to move. And so, I want to pray. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your family. I want to pray for our church right here and right now. So would you bow with me and let's come before the Lord. Oh God, we, we come before you right now. And I, I just want to pray for each one that is right there on the other side of the screen with me in this moment. I want to pray, oh God, for those who in this very moment need healing because there is past wounds, because there is, there is fear, there is uncertainty, there has been promises made and promises broken over and over again in their lives. And there's just these walls that are up. Oh God, I pray right now into their hearts and their homes by faith that you would bring healing into their lives. Holy Spirit, that you would work by the good news of Jesus Christ to bring restoration, to tear down walls and to bring freedom. For Christ, you came to set us free, to set us free from our uncertainties and our bondage and the wounds and the hurts of our past. And so I pray for healing. God, I want to pray right now for new trust, new trust in the hearts of every single one that is listening and watching here today to trust in you, to, to look to you, to have a sense of faith that you are the promise-making and promise-keeping God for, for them, for their lives, for their hearts, for their souls, that they would turn and look to Jesus. I ask, oh Lord, that you would give hope, that you would give hope right now in the midst of darkness, in the midst of wrestlings, in the midst of wonderings, why has it been so long? I just can't see a way. I feel so unworthy. Would you shine hope into these hearts right now, oh God? Give us faith. Thank you for the gift of faith through Jesus Christ. If there's any listening right now who have not given their lives to Christ, I pray, God, that you would do a marvelous work, that they would bend their knee to see that Jesus is the Savior, the Lord, the King, the treasure of the universe, and not just at a distance for everybody else, but that they would come to say, he's my hope, my Savior, my Lord, my King, my treasure, that we would fix our eyes upon your promises. God, we've reflected on a few here. Your word is full of so many. Let us look to the promises of your scriptures 
clinging to them, begging you for the fulfillment of them? And would we be men and women, young and old, a church as a whole, that are giving thanks and praise to you? Because you are, yes, the God who is the promise maker. You are not distant and indifferent to us, but you individually care for each and every one of us. And so thank you that you're the promise making God and that you're the promise keeping God. That we see here with Joshua and the people and we see for us too, that not one of your promises that you have made have you not fulfilled. Oh, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.